There's one thing we know about Damien Duff. He says what he thinks. Another thing we love about Damien Duff is he's not afraid to speak up about the issues within the league. Agents, beware. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Waterford owner Andy Pilly faces some time in prison. Damien Duff shares his thoughts on football agents and plans for a centre of excellence planned in Cork have been scrapped. My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined as always by Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com. And Nathan, Damien Duff has himself in the headlines again. He's having a go at players' agents and they've really gotten in the neck. Yeah, that's it. Uh, public enemy number one for this week for Damien. I just <laughs> heard he's uh, he's fond of an L and that there, isn't he? Love my hate him, in fairness to him. You know, he, he's someone that's going to be open to criticism from away supporters. But I think uh, the respect that he's shown the league since coming in has been, been admirable. Uh, I know I was critical of him when he, he took the Shelburne job from comments in the past with the League of Ireland. But... He's really he's he's fully committed and immersed himself into the League of Ireland as a whole. Um, and as we know, being a League of Ireland fan is seventy percent just being cranky. So Duffa has that <laughs> that down to an absolute tea. But it was a busy man this week, wasn't he, on media duty? Because obviously, um, Charles are playing Pats and Virgin Media, so some of the the, the more mainstream outlets will want to get get a word in with him. And one of them was with uh, the Daily Mirror of Paul O'Hare. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's actually a re- really really good article. But Duffer uh, was heavily crit- uh, critical on agents uh, encouraging young League of Ireland talent to move on the cheap so that the agents can profit uh, out of moves. He also went on to attack English clubs and like, the attitude that the clubs have towards the, the League of Ireland. And I don't know if we can use the language because this goes out on radio and stuff, but uh, he said that we're not a uh, flipping caveman, but obviously Duff didn't, uh, didn't use the, the PG term I just used. We've had people talk about this before, but it's it's not really it hasn't been out there in a full conversation. You know, you've heard that this is the story, maybe in a in a paper headline, or you know, it's kind of been more summarised or or hinted at. But Damien's just coming out here and he's gone. I'm just not having this anymore. I'm, I'm not talking to people, and he's letting them know, agents, just don't bother coming to me about these things. If you don't want your player here, then then that's fine. That's up to you. But he will have a talk with the player and he and he will try and encourage them to come for the right reasons. And as he said, I think in the interview, that he's not going to hold people against their will to a club. He wants people to better themselves. Yeah, of course. Like, this isn't new issues at all, Roy. Even ourselves, we, we've talked about it, uh, about player contracts, or whether they're professional contracts or amateur contracts. And we'll probably kind of talk about it again, realistically, with the summer window coming up because it's something that happens on it on a window basis every twice a year when the transfer window opens within the League of Ireland itself but I think the difference is you have someone like Damien Duff that probably garners that respect um, from whether it be the non-League of Ireland fans or even the even English clubs like the likes of the, uh, the EFL and stuff like that he's, he's a notable name he's one of the best footballers come out of this country and one of the most successful in terms of what he's done in the Premier League with the likes of Chelsea and Newcastle Black one um, so he definitely has a mainstream profile uh, to his name that people would want to hear what he says and be interested uh, about that. And again, this it's always going to get people jumping on and talking about the criticism of you know Shelbourne giving out 
essentially low uh, below average contract for League of Ireland level. But I don't think that's that's I think to look at that's to, to look at uh, Iran's sort of issue like shells. Uh, they wouldn't they have a decent budget, but be nowhere near the, the top two or three teams. But stuff I was talking about more so English clubs that have double or triple the budget what shells do have and coming in and, and constantly lowballing. League of Ireland clubs uh, for young talent and top talent in the league as well. There's some top names that went over the past couple of years that really, really got low ball and deals and clubs like, were quick to jump on it. And I think another sticking point for Damien Roy was uh, release clauses and the, 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 the farcical release clauses that agents insist on putting on uh, the, the contracts of young talent that it's pretty much it's clubs can't get over once the release clause is in place and, and it's a from whether it be England or anywhere abroad uh, activates that release clause just sort of at the mercy of the player and the agent really the club yeah. wouldn't have a say on the mirror whatsoever No it's and these, as you said, like Danny Mandrew gone for 30 grand and there's players we've seen who've gone for you know five figure when it should be six figures and if the, cl- the clubs and the league want to grow any bigger, then they're going to have to... Um, it, it was, I think it was Keith Long. Was it Keith Long who t- said this? Or, or, or was it... Uh, no, Daniel Lambert, wasn't it? Who said it, that he thinks everyone should sort of work together and make sure that the league doesn't get fleeced the way it's getting fleeced. And this is Damien just, you know putting his voice out there and, and saying a similar thing. And it probably is time now, Nathan, that they, they, they got together, that they had these meetings together and they worked together, that they won't allow figures like this to be accepted in the League of Ireland contracts. I'm sure they could do that. It's just more so about the clubs, isn't it? The clubs yeah. showing a little, little bit of grit and backbone and not just accepting the first offer that comes in. And it's something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Roy, when uh, Jack Bourne, looking uh, very lightly to go off to uh, the LMS with Charlotte. I forget the figure off the top of my head now, but I think it was a six-figure f- sum again was, for, yeah. for uh, the likes of Jack. Again, they, could have, they, they held out, they stuck to their guns considering that they have big league games coming up, they have European, a massive European run, they're going to want to get back into the group stages, where they weren't just going to accept it just because a, a club came in uh, for Jack. And I know they're going to be running the risk of, of Jack uh, letting his contract run down and he go for free, but that's a different issue altogether. But... Yeah, it's just down to the clubs uh, to hold there and not to be so willing to, to, to let the clubs go. I've seen another name we could talk about here, uh, Stephen Bradley, with, with a really good crow. Uh, I think he was the, was the Irish Independent he, he, was, uh, he was talking with, but I've just seen one of the quotes uh, in the sub-headline that he wants players to develop a home and not be broken abroad. And he, a, couple of, a couple of points he went into, and now it's a different argument, is the likes of education schemes like you know what UCD are doing, or even what Shamrock Rovers are doing? Do you have do you have links with local colleges around South Dublin and giving a player that opportunity and that option to stay at home and not only play professional football uh, full time, but uh, in the future, but to have that pathway uh, into an education system as well and things like that are massively important to making a player not probably making a bad word to use, but giving a player an option that if they do want to stay at home, they have these avenues they can go down, they can pursue a career uh, in football while pursuing an education. It's vital with all the young players who are trying to come through as well. You want to see them staying in the game. And obviously, listen, there's the supposed third tier that may come into it. If a third tier comes into it, all of a sudden then you've got a bigger pool for these players to go into. But... You also have a lot more players who, who are going to be in the league, who are going to be looking to play at a certain standard. It's going to improve the level of the league as a whole. 
But if the leagues and the clubs want to create a bigger league, create something that we can be really, really proud on, that we can grow, because everything that's happening, now we're proud of where we're going, but we want to make sure that this league goes from strength to strength. And I think now the only way that can be done is in instances like this, where they're talking to agents, that all the clubs have something signed or whatever, that there's a certain fee that they will not go below. And that may be 100,000, that may be 150,000, whatever it is. And that that's it. There's no get out clauses because uh, if they don't work together, they're working against each other and they're all losing now. And I know it's probably, well, it is intertwined a little bit to this conversation because we've seen it and we're going to talk about the waterfall on it, don't, don't you worry about that. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, but it is, you know, ownership in the league because we're starting to see English clubs, you've seen the whole city owner looking to link in with like, Dundalk, Shelbourne. Um, and that's this is all, for me, it, it's nine times out of ten, it's not for the love of the club itself or to... Uh, to improve the, the the club's relation with the area, it's just simply the bypass the, the Brexit uh, rulings that we've seen that player the old, uh, the age of eighteen or under can't go over to, uh, to England because of Brexit. So it's bringing in whether that be a really substantial vetting process for owners to come in and to ensure that the clubs aren't just going to be taking advantage of that, that when an owner does come in and they do have you know a financial backing with an English club that works both ways that. We're not just going to see League of Ireland Ireland be completely cherry picked for probably a handful of below average players in the likes of the Pulse uh, City Academy being brought over on loan. So, so things like this will have to come into play to make sure that we're getting a fair shake of the sick uh, in the transfer market. But as I said, just just to, just to circle back to to Damien Duff, the original point of this whole story, I will say, like, like I said, he's someone that comes in for a lot of criticism, but. He's staunch, isn't he? And he stands for uh, League of Ireland injustice. So you do have to give him credit, regardless of who he supports uh, within the league. Yeah, we'll talk about John Daly as he's uh, secured the, the St. Pat's job. But just to finish off on Damien Duff, how do you feel? How do you feel he's done in the league? Do you think he's made an impact? Do you think he's been good for the league? Do you think the league's been good for Damien Duff? I think last year he definitely overachieved, didn't he? Um, especially the highlight of the year, be, uh, becoming the um, making his way into the FAO Cup final. I think this year again that they're doing well. They're really starting. They're starting to come into a little bit. They were unlucky um, on Friday night, uh, getting beaten one 0 by St Pat's. It's a tight game. Really could have went either way. But the likes of Jack Moylan and stuff is really starting to come back in it. So he was a little bit unlucky with injuries. So we're starting to get these players back and get them into the form that they need. I think someone like Damien Duff is from. Like I said, in hindsight, I was probably a little bit sceptical when he came in, just by past comments and stuff like that, and thinking, you know, it's just going to use as this quick turnaround. But he said he seems to really gotten involved extremely heavy enough, not only with Shelburne, with the league as a whole, and really being a, an advocate for all the wrongdoings that the League of Ireland clubs, unfortunately, do have to suffer. So, and I think as well, it's something that probably hasn't been pointed out enough. Someone like Damien Duff, he's he's doing it because it might sound stupid, but for the love of it and for the love of the coaching, like Damien Duff doesn't have to be here. He could very easily go into a media role. I'm sure RTE and the stuff like that would pick him up on a full-time basis. So his reasons for being in the league, I'm sure, are, are just uh, on his end. But um, yeah, it's always having a name like Damien Duff in your corner when you are fighting these injustices as League of Ireland fan can only be beneficial because, as I said, he's a massive name with um, a massive reach definitely in this country anyway but people over in England wouldn't know the name Damien Duff too 
Yeah, um, I just wish he would smile in pictures when he's when the kids are getting their pictures with him. He just doesn't <laughs> want to smile. Nah, uh, nah. Anyhow, the little things. Uh, okay, we'll talk about Waterford owner Andy Pilly, who has been done for fraud, Nathan, and. There's always something with Waterford, isn't there? I there thought is this was going something. to be the, something that was going to steady up, but no, not, not a chance. Lee Perrow walked till Andy Pilly could run. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, there's always something with Waterford owners, but I think this takes a, this does take a little bit. And Waterford are club that just the, what they've been through over the past 10, 12 years is it, 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 my heart goes out to any Waterford fan. I'm sure it's it's never easy whatsoever, and it's we see all these, you know, all our nothing documentaries, but there's a league of one club that deserve one. And that could that could watch, the, story, the story could be told, you know, like Atlone have go through their struggles as well, but the Waterford ownership in particular is absolutely crazy. But look, what we do know is that owner uh, Andy Poyley was found guilty of fraud and he's never mandated in custody uh press and uh, crown court and he's awaiting sen- sentencing. I think I seen somewhere today that sentencing was meant to be today, but I I don't seen someone pushed out to the it's July third now. July third, is it? So himself and two other people have been convicted. Now we're gonna I'm gonna tread really, really carefully here because anything with prison or law makes makes me sweat because just you know, say allegedly. Just say allegedly to bits. <laughs> so I'm gonna <laughs> gonna try bait through with a little bit of of what we know in terms of the court proceedings without getting ourselves sealed. Right, okay, so uh, I'm sure you can edit anything now if you think it's uh, a So it's uh, two counts of uh, running a business with the intention of defrauding creditors, one count of false representation, and one count of being uh, being concerned with the retention of criminal property. And this comes from uh, Andy's time as on an individual spell as a director at the energy firm uh, BES Utilities, which is based out of Fleetwood. Obviously, Andy's also uh, the owner of the football team in the area, Fleetwood Town. Reading, I didn't get into the massive nitty-gritty of court reports because they just bore me to tears. There's a reason why we went into sports media instead of courts. Uh, <laughs> hats off to anybody else that did that for a living. But what I did meant to uh, gather there but was in layman's terms, um, that he was pretending to be uh, an independent broker and uh, lying to clients and trying to full and bit, uh, funnel business into the energy firm that I just mentioned. Um, according to George uh, Knowles, uh, KC, he made millions from small business owners across uh, England. So, Yet it's really, really, it's not looking good for Andy at all. Again, we've seen in not only the court reports, but uh, media reports coming out that a prison sentence could, could realistically be in his future. Obviously, Waterford had to release a statement on the issue with uh, issue two when he done that on uh, Monday, which is uh, Monday the 22nd for people listening in. We're recording on Tuesday the 23rd of May. Look, pretty much the, 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 the statement from Waterford. The, yeah, the, the the statement from Waterford itself was pretty much business as usual, Roy, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You can understand they're waiting on, on further information and sentencing and stuff like that. So Waterford isn't going to say that much, but I can I can imagine this isn't going to be the last time we're going to be going no, talk about the ownership yeah, of as Waterford I was saying, this season. You've seen Fleetwood and you've seen Waterford statement mirror image of each other more yeah. or less. Uh, both said that the clubs wouldn't be impacted in any way on the running side of things. That's not quite true because over in England they have a thing called the owners and directors test which the EFL have and 
anyone who has a conviction cannot be, uh, what was the exact word, a relevant person within the club. So there are no rules like that within the, the FAI uh, and the League of Ireland. So I don't think that's going to make a difference to Waterford, but it will to Fleetwood. And you just wonder then what happens there. Is there could there be a knock-on effect then if, if that's the case? Now, it depends how long he got. He had someone else in there working for him and then, you know, switches back out again because that can happen so that may very well be it if he has someone out there he trusts that can do the job for for that amount of time but listen you would hope that it wouldn't have a knock-on effect you'd hope there's some stability in Waterford and you would hope that it is going to build something uh, you know you want them to, to see them build something down there but you know in Waterford's look it, it's, it's likely to fall apart isn't it well, I don't think it's coincidence that, uh, as I said, both Waterford and Fleetwood put a uh, very similar uh, statement saying that's business as usual, but we've already seen uh, potential talk of new ownership with Waterford already. This news wasn't even hot on the presses, Roy. And we've seen uh, former Waterford chairman Mitch Cowley uh, stating his interest in buying the club. Um, so Mitch would have stepped down from uh, when Andy Poyley took over at the RSC back in August 2022. Um, I'll just have a little quote here from uh, Mitch Cowley himself saying, um, I'd like to buy the club and make an offer. Ideally, I'd like to get this done in the next two weeks if possible. And also talked about reuniting with former Waterford manager uh, Mark Bircham. He was uh, successful in the, in the short spell, but unceremoniously. So he wants to kick Keith Long out already? Already, yeah. I, know. That's, I was only thinking that it's, look, Bircham got on, uh, done a great the job. League in the of Ireland managers there and you want to try and get rid of him. And it's, and it's done brilliant since going in to the job yeah. as well. It's not like Keith's got off to a rocky start. And as I just said a second ago, like Mark Burton's done a really good job in the short term. And I was shocked when he was let go a couple of days out from um, I think it was the, the relegation playoff final against UCD mm. um, two years ago now. But if you're Keith Lawn, you're reading this, it's it, it's definitely sort of a lot of uncertainty around. It's not only shout, for Keith Lawn. It doesn't but... shout stability, though, Nate. No, it? no, that's what I sort of getting <laughs> at. It's, that. it's not only Keith Lawn, it's everyone. It, genuinely, it must be a really difficult situation for any even fans, volunteers, player, anyone that's involved with Waterford at all. But yeah, you ought to bring that with um, the club, brings out a statement, you know, regarding stability. And now, this does not mean this is going to happen. This is just something that, that we've seen reports on. It's, this could be uh, Mitch Cowlin just seeing the opportunity to perhaps throw his name in the He's had in the rain probably more than anything else. But yeah, it's probably the last thing that, that Waterford need at the moment is more uncertainty because this this could genuinely walk out either way. And it could kill their season down, Nathan, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really, really good, uh, especially with the summer uh, transfer window coming up as well. And in fairness, uh, two of them uh, under the, the current ownership, he's been bankrolling the club, as I said, since August 2022. Uh, and even recently, has only pumped in a six-figure form for a new club shop. So it's not like the, 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 the finance haven't been there. And you imagine that he would bring in some, uh, some new clientele and some new recruits uh, in the summer window to really try and close that gap on Galway because Premier Division football has to be in the near future but something like this can completely derail it and really throw everybody off because as you can we can put out as many copy-paste uh, statements as you want but this is the furthest in from stability at, at Waterford. Yeah, um, 
fingers crossed let's hope it, it all works out in the end but uh, not good news down there for Waterford at all uh, we're going to talk about John Daly just in a second and we will talk about the FAI cancelling plans for a centre of excellence in Cork also but Nathan the under 17s were playing in the European Championships only a matter of an hour ago and how did they get on? Yeah, yeah as I said it did uh, under 17 uh, European Championship taking place in Hungary over the past week or so. Um, and it's good news. We have good news from an international stage. Who would have thought it? Uh, so Ireland were in Group A and they, uh, they have qualified out of the group and have made their way into the quarterfinals, which has taken place uh, this coming Saturday, uh, Saturday the 27th, um, which will be live on RTE if anybody would like to tune in. Ireland were in Group A. Um, Poland's top the group on goal difference, then uh, ourselves Ireland finished second uh, on six points. Host Hungary finished third, and Wales finished up uh, in fourth place. It was a disaster start for, for, for the lads, I will say. They were battered 5 1 by Poland uh, on Wednesday in Budapest, uh, then pulled back a 3 0 win against Wales uh, on Saturday, just gone Saturday the 20th. And as I said, this evening, Roy, genuinely, like an error before we jumped on to recording, uh, to be, or to be the host, uh, Hungry 4 2. Um, I'm going to mention the two lads that scored. Uh, Luca Harry got a double, and Mason Melia got a double to, uh, to, to the number of young Pats talents uh, in, in the Pats Academy rank at the moment. We actually even see Mason Melia making his. Um, his, his senior uh, his debut for the senior team uh, at age 15. We can talk like probably a bit young, uh, in my opinion. I think we talked about that, didn't we, Roy? Yeah. Uh, a year or two ago, when San Cortes really made his way in on the scene, that's probably an argument for a different day. But for the lad himself, what what an absolute what what a whirlwind week for him, making his uh, his debut for the Pat Senior team, and then being uh, so heavily involved in the Ireland Under Seventeen uh, European Championship campaign and playing a big uh, part of getting them into the into the quarterfinals on Saturday. Absolutely, and if you're listening to this podcast on. Friday, you already know who Ireland are playing. We're guessing it's m- most likely to be Spain, uh, but there is a possibility of three teams. Isn't that right, Nate? Yeah, so we were hoping we'd know the fate because we can't, we can't have it all. We, we were lucky to, uh, to to get through a couple of hours, well, an hour before recording. <laughs> but uh, so as I said, Ireland were in Group A and we're going to be playing the winners of Group B, who are currently Spain on six points, but we also have Slovenia and Serbia are both on three points, but realistically uh, top the group uh, on goal difference, especially with Spain playing Serbia uh, themselves, yeah. uh, which is tomorrow, the, the 24th uh, of May on Wednesday, just the day after recording. So as I said, if you're listening late, you will either know who we're playing or you will either know if we have been successful or not. But we're sure we'll be tuning in, Roy, won't we, on Saturday That's to it. see how the lads get on. And if you're listening on Sunday, you're well ahead of us. Um, yeah. But... Either way, we're in a quarterfinal and we have every chance. Uh, and I mean, it's great to see that the, the teams, again, as you said, flooded with League of Ireland players uh, all the way through the 15s, 17s and all. There's League of Ireland players left, right and centre. So it all bodes well. Now, I don't know how many are in it from Cork, but the FAI have cancelled plans for a centre of excellence in Cork and that won't help them whatsoever, Nathan. Yeah, really disappointing news this one. Uh, as you said, the FAI pulled plans uh, on its uh, centre of excellence in Cork. This uh, dates back to 2015 when the FAI reached an agreement with Cork uh, County Council on land in, I'm going to say Glanmere. I, I'm sure anyone in Cork would be delighted to hear a fellow with a Dublin accent butcher the name of a place in Cork. I'm sure that I got down very well. Glanmire. 
Clamoyer. There we go. There we go. We go with Clamoyer. Someone will correct me and say I'm wrong and you're right, Nathan. Somebody will. There you go. Somebody will correct us. There's no doubt about that. So this is planned to be a 99-year lease on 30 acres of lands. It was due to be the training facility for the Cork City senior team and also the underage team. Um, but unfortunately, the reason given for the cancellation, and this is a quote from the FEI statement, is that uh, the board's view that the original uh, proposal no longer represents the greatest return on investment for the parties involved. So obviously, something that comes down to money, uh, the FEI an organisation that is, is still strapped for cash and has been for a number of years now. I suppose if you're trying to pull out one positive away from it is that hopefully now with the FEI have that bit of a, a walking agreement with Cork County Council or do you have that relationship in place with Cork County Council? Hopefully we can see it still, the land, I mean, still be beneficial um, to local football within the, in the community of Cork, you know, whether that be the FEI Immersion Talent Programme going into it. And building off the work uh, of the schoolboy teams, not only in Cork but in the Munster region as a whole. But um, yeah, this is definitely something that's going to be a blow to um, to the city of Cork itself in terms of League of Ireland football and underage football. And not just Cork, but the South in general, because it could be something that would uh, help progress those players down there, help nourish them, and and you know. We're looking at professional footballers throughout the League of Ireland and the only way you can be a professional footballer and go across the water or go into Europe is to, you know, minimum 20 hours a week train and do your training and and work on your game. And if you're not, if you don't have stuff like this, then it's it's hard. It's hard to get out there and do it yourself. You, have, you know, you're, yeah, you can go out and bash a ball against the wall or whatever like that, but you're, you're looking to go to coaches. You're looking for people to challenge you and uh, it gets expensive if you have to do it on your own so yeah it, this is something that needs to be done and hopefully will be done and hopefully this is just uh, suspended and not postponed and we'll find out uh, fairly soon okay someone you want to talk about Nathan is John Daly because he secured the same Pat's job does he deserve it do you think or when you look at the other people who are out there are you kind of happy um so as I said, just for anyone that that wasn't listening in, my stance as it was when when I was disappointed when Tim Clancy got let go, I thought it was more it was stepping something they could have turned around. Look, that's neither here nor there. It's a few weeks gone now. Uh, in terms of candidates, uh, I was hoping for Ian Barraclough, who really was not mentioned in the running whatsoever. That seemed to be something that was mentioned earlier with Dip Dew. But most importantly, I was really really going to see uh, Gerard Bryan probably step up with you know. The, the team of coaches that's there at the moment, whether that be Alan Matthews and Ian Birmingham and things like that. Uh, but fairness to John, it was four games into his uh, interim uh, interim run since uh, Tim Clancy dropped uh, dropped out, and that was we uh, started off with a three two win uh, away to Cork City and Tornos Cross, then um, a three nil win against Strata at home. We're very disappointingly beaten three two, but Shamrock Rovers away from home with a, a last minute Richie Towell uh, penalty sealing the win for Rovers. And then, as I mentioned earlier in the show, they beat Shelbourne uh, 1-0 in Tolka Park uh, on Friday. That's nine points from a possible 12. They're now sitting in fourth position, three points off Bowers in third place. And considering that they were in seventh position when John did uh, step up as interim manager, in a results-based business, right, I think it is hard to argue with, with, with those results on paper. What I will say is I haven't seen 
a wholesale change that would make me overly positive about seeing John Daly step up um, as a long-term basis. I think till the end of the season, look, these results show for themselves and I think you'll have to at least give him the benefit of the doubt with that one. But we do have 19 league games remaining. We have a European run um, that's going to be very important. We have an FEI Cup run that's also very important. I think as well, if you look at, like I said, them results there, so beating Cork City, um, Cork are really going to be battling for relegation You're this year. that one. Sitting in ninth position, you are expecting that one. 3 0 at home to draw it. I don't know if you've seen that game. 3 0 flattered pats beyond belief. The first half performance was was terrible. It was back to a lot of the complaints around Tim Clancy was the one dimensional football and, and the constant, not like change of formation for, you know, tactical reasons is different, but changing it more so on the fly. That we've seen a lot of that come back in the first half. Two bits of Chris Forrester magic made the scoreline go from 1-0 to 3-0, which flatters it much more. As I said, Sean McRow was the most disappointing. We, we levelled the game late on with a Ben McCormick goal and then to give Ray a silly penalty so late in the game. It's disappointing. Uh, but the Shells game was a decent performance, probably our, our best performance uh, under John Daly. But to <laughs> see some of the candidates that were being linked with this job and like Neil Lennon was, was one probably the most recognisable name yeah, obviously Neil, Neil rejected the job himself then we had the likes of Vinnie Peart Kevin Doherty uh, Robbie Keane Richard Dunn Kenny Cunningham all I, I don't know if I believe the Robbie Keane one was that, is, is there truth to that because he's over with know. Leeds with at the Leeds. moment he's yeah. learning his trade uh, would he want to come back to take over St. Pat's and not learn his trade off no Big Sam's over there as much as people might and might not like Big Sam, he has a hell of a lot of experience, and and that's where you gain your knowledge. No, you know, you gain your knowledge off the back of of other managers, and you know maybe it'd be a bit too early for Robbie. Yeah, probably because I was in the League of Ireland show, but um, with the, the last uh, last week of the Premier League season coming up this uh, this Sunday, still there's a chance the Legion United could stay in the, in the mm. Premier League. I don't know what you think if they do get survival. Um, if Big Sam wants to stick around with Leeds, I think it'd be a strange move for Robbie to leave his position uh, with Sam Allardyce with a Premier League club like Leeds United to come down and because take the Pats job would be a risky, risky business because with the the, the finances that Pats had, the backing that he have, European football, it's something that they, they need, they need to keep uh, achieving on a yearly basis to make sure that he can compete with the likes of Rovers and Derry if that's the the, the aim to be to be doing over the next coming years. So. Definitely a risky job. Now, I know we've seen first-time managers come into the league and do well, but these are managers like Stephen O'Donnell, Stephen Bradley, Rory Higgins that know the League of Ireland, have been around the League of Ireland for a substantial amount of time, which Robbie just simply hasn't been. I thought it would have been a risky run, but even some of the other names that mentioned out there, Roy, none of them would fill me up with an awful lot of confidence um, in terms of, like I said, I don't know, I'm being selfish. Any Pats fans listening, let us know. I thought Jerry O'Brien would have been the one that made sense to me. I just hate to see, you now we come to the end of the season and it all goes wrong and we hear the, um, oh, it's not his team, this, that, and something that we that we gave team the benefit of the deal at the couple of bad results that wasn't the team. I just hate to see us be back in, back to square one probably a year or even 14 months from now that we're back on the hunt again for another manager and haven't progressed and haven't allowed somebody to come in with league of, that knows the league and that wants to be here and, and give them that back and of a, of a long-term project. What about 
you're going to give him time now till the end of the season. Yeah. And if if you don't see much of a change between what Tim was doing and he's doing, you probably won't get the results if if that's the case. So with the League of Ireland the way it is, there does be a lot of chopping and changing within squads anyhow. So it, it's probably very hard to to get your players in. Um, but if he doesn't do it, and he has plenty of time to do it, if he doesn't do it yeah. in the time, he's he's probably he's given himself an opportunity, and he can win or lose it now by the end of this season. So it might not be a bad thing, you know, because maybe you would want a, a new manager to come in in the off season when he can actually change a few players and and and, and play the way that he would want to play. And it's funny, like like I said, like 19 league games and if all these, these cup competitions coming up, just not to say that couldn't go well, that Pats could, you know, get themselves in the European position in the league and go on a decent European run or a decent cup run. And all of a sudden, people like myself look a bit stupid, you know, mm. uh, questioning John Daly. It's just, that's like I said, my main sticking point is in the four four games. I have not seen anything that really differ, uh, differentiate for the most part, there's obviously a little bit of change. It's a new manager bounce. Some players performing that probably haven't performed on that team. I haven't been given the chance to perform uh, on that team, but that's only after four games. There's still a lot of football to be played. Um, that would just be my fear going forward is that it still has the bit of a, this, not sting, but sting of the Tim Clancy era off it. And that, like I said, if we're going to find ourselves, whether it be at the end of the season or in a year's time, that we're just back to the way we are now. Um, after another manager that's come in and fell by the wayside and we're now closer to win the league or we probably even worse or they're different way back down to, to the, the bottom end of the table and that'd be my worry over I the think next when year or you so have, when you have someone who's in a job and you have their team around them they're normally of the same mindset so are you getting rid of someone and bringing someone else in are you doing the, the team a favour are you doing the club a favour probably not because you're going to have the same thing you've seen that and I'll refer back to the Premier League you see that with Tottenham Hotspur and that failed miserably so yeah. you know sometimes you need to make total changes if you're, if you're going to commit to a change make the total change and change things around but you also if you're going to make a change you have to have a plan ready you can't get rid of someone sit there for a while have a think about it and then you've lost your chances in the league or whatever it is so there has to be a bit of thinking about it so kind of looks like there was no thinking in this one because they've kind of thrown the the, the net out there and they've and they've brought it back in with nothing and, and they've, they're stuck with the same yeah. man yeah I think so I think that's the one at this point a lot of Pats fans is you know that there was an opportunity here to really get a project going but picked the I just said the thing some of the warden in a statement out that was after you know comprehensive and extensive interview process that mm. we still just managed to, to, to stick with a man that's been the assistant manager of Tim Clancy who we've just walked out of the club after poor run of results it's and there's been no changes made whatsoever to the backroom staff or to the, the ethos or the identity of the team there's a few formation changes and as I said like Ben McCormick and stuff you'd, you'd hope could get the opportunity under John that he probably didn't get under team but for the most part he had the style of play um, the, the the identity of the team what they're, plan- what they're looking to do has not changed an awful lot over the four games under the John Daly uh, the John Daly reign but look as a Pats fan he had to back him now till the end of the season he's there till the end of the season and who knows? I could look very, very silly. And I don't mind as a Pats fan if that's the way it turns out. Stick with Sligo, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
listen, thanks very much for listening in. Um, Nathan, thanks very much for coming on as always because uh, it's always a, a wonderful chat that we have. And if you have any questions, do send them on to myself and Nathan. And if there is anything, anyone out there who feels like they, they want to be part of the Big Kickoff League of Ireland, feels like they want to do a bit of writing for the Big Kickoff, whether it's your League of Ireland club or whether it's League of Ireland in general or maybe just football in general, do contact us. Thanks very much. Talk to you next week.